Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everybody. It's Vanessa. The Not Sorry team is at camp this week, so we are bringing you a special episode while we are traveling. We made a podcast for a while called The Women of Harry Potter, where we blessed a woman of Harry Potter in a lot of detail, and we often had special guests for these conversations. So today, you are going to hear two blessings of women of Harry Potter with two very special guests. The first one is with Bayana Davis, who is blessing Angelina Johnson, and the next one is from Robin Jordan, and she will be blessing Luna Lovegood. Diana and Robin are co-founders of Black Nerds Create, and they are longtime friends of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. We love them. They've been on our show in many different forms, and you can find out more about what they do at blacknerdscreate.com. We hope that you enjoy this episode, and we'll be back next week with Chapter 35, Veritas Serum, through the theme of wandering with special guest Colette Potts. Hi, Bayana. Hey, Vanessa. Bayana, welcome to Blessing Women of Harry Potter Land. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> Bayana, can you tell everybody just a little bit about what you do? Yeah. So I am a co-founder and editor-in-chief of Black Girls Create, which is a website um, and community and kind of a space for Black nerds and creators to make things and to talk about nerd things. Our kind of central project or what has been our central project for the last four years is uh, the Wizard Team Harry Potter podcast, um, where my cousin Robin and I have discussed the entire series chapter by chapter like a close read and we kind of discuss it together. Um, and then we just recently finished, which was kind of wild. Um, but we also do other stuff. So we have a critical companion series, which is like blog posts from contributors about different kind of nerd things and how they kind of relate to them in their everyday life. And then we have a doctor who podcast and lots of, lots of things. <laughs> So, Bayana, you and I have worked together before. You were on our other podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, and I was lucky enough to come on and talk about a great Hagrid-based chapter on Wizard <laughs> Team with you and Robin and had so, so much fun. The reason that we invited you in this moment to be on Women of Harry Potter is that we got a voicemail from a woman who was concerned about the way that we had handled the Yule Ball chapter and the way that we hadn't managed to talk about the fact that Harry and Ron are really exploiting Padma and Parvati. Mm -hmm. And it just, we had not seen the racial element of that and how Padma and Parvati were really being treated as disposable characters in that scene. And I felt so educated and also so badly that one of our listeners had to educate us in that way. And so we wanted to create a space on women of Harry Potter to really be talking about the women of color in the Harry Potter series and acknowledge, you know, our whiteness and the fact that our position does not allow us to see things that we know that women of color see in these characters. 
So we invited you to launch this mini-series of really focusing on the women of color in Harry Potter and to talk about Angelina with us. And so with no further ado, Mm -hmm. we are wondering what you would like to bless Angelina for. I think Angelina is a really hardworking and like driven person. She's has less time in the earlier series and we just kind of see her as the chaser or on, you know, chaser on Harry's team. Later on, like she puts her name in the Goblet of Fire because she's like, you know, I am of age, I'm capable, I can, you know, do these tasks. And she ultimately doesn't get it, but like just that kind of drive that she has, I personally would never. So (laughs) just like seeing that as like a as like a personality trait that she has. And then I think we see her more in Order of the Phoenix when she becomes a Quidditch captain and just all of the kind of roadblocks she keeps coming up against, especially when it comes to Umbridge, um, which is not helped by Harry and still like doing her best to kind of hold it all together while also being in her seventh year and doing her newts and keeping her hair looking nice and like all of these things. So I just, I really appreciate her. And I feel like like her and, and Lee Jordan, I know we're talking about women, but like, the two of them, like growing up, like those were two that I just often wanted to know more about um, because I felt like they looked like me and people who I knew. And so, yeah, so I just I I love Angelina. She's great. <laughs> she is a woman who really steps into her authority. Right. I think, yeah, by putting her name in the goblet and she's the favorite from Gryffindor mm-hmm. who's put her name in the goblet. And so I feel like the Gryffindor house has acknowledged that she is a real leader of their house. Yeah. And she's definitely just like, she seems like someone who has kind of a guiding hand. And I think like in Order of the Phoenix, I think at one point Harry jokes like, oh, she's channeling uh, Oliver Wood's spirit or whatever. But I also just feel like she was stressed out. You know what I mean? Like Oliver did the most (laughs) when it came to like Quidditch and he was, he, he took it way more seriously than I think really anybody should anything but Angelina like was really just trying to preserve like how well the team had been doing and she just really wanted to do well as captain and I think like yeah I think I think just like having that leadership and it being acknowledged by you know I guess who decides captains I don't know if that's McGonagall or Dumbledore but like having that been like be acknowledged by like professors and Um, And then also the students, because when they find out, everybody's like, that's great. That makes a lot of sense. Um, So having that kind of like respect around her is is awesome. Yeah. And she I mean, that moment that you pointed to of Harry saying she's channeling Oliver Wood is so interesting because it's like, well, the one thing that Angelina and Oliver definitely have in common is that they have to manage your annoying butt. Okay. The fact that <laughs> the fact that he's like, God, everybody has the same problem, and it's like, yes, that same problem is you, Harry. Is you, yeah. It's like no one told you to get detention for a whole week when you're supposed to be practicing. So. And in fact, Angelina keeps saying, "Keep your mouth shut." Right. Right. She keeps trying to manage him. Yeah, and that's like an added thing she has to think about on top of like you know their plays and making sure everybody else is good and then her own schoolwork, like, yeah. And she is somebody who's simultaneously very serious, right? Like like you said, she's very ambitious. She puts her name in the goblet. She's Quidditch captain. Um, but she also has this association with the Weasley twins that I mm-hmm. think lets us see that she is somebody who has a silly side. She's not unlike Hermione, who I think has, like, the rightful reputation of only being serious and sort of being stuck up about it. Yeah. Angelina, she still has that playful side. Yeah, she definitely likes to have fun. Like, I always think about, like, secondary houses, and I don't know what her secondary house would be. Like, I know Hermione's is Ravenclaw, but it's very much the, like, stuck-up side of that. Saying this as a Ravenclaw, like, it's very much the, like, you know, the rules and we're doing all this, whereas Angelina's like, I mean, maybe it's part of her being a Gryffindor, where she's just like... You know, there's a time to to work and to, like, push myself and to do all these things. But then there's also a time to, like, relax. And I think maybe also playing sports has something to do with that, too. But, yeah. I've always had a complicated appreciation for sports. I don't mm-hmm. just hate them. But I think that that this series has really made me appreciate sports in a new way. And I think that Angelina is, like, a beacon of that, right? That sports can be a place to, like, get discipline and to practice leadership, practice prioritizing. There's a really interesting moment 
in book five where she's like trying to decide how hard to push them given that the weather is bad and they mm-hmm. need to practice in bad weather. But Fred and George have blisters on their butt. Yeah. We see that kids can learn management. Kids can learn teamwork, that sports actually have this really important place in the world, including the difference between like when are sports work and when are they play. Yeah. And I think Angelina walks all of those lines so well. Yeah, definitely. I agree. Is there a specific moment of Angelina that you would like to zoom in on? One where you're like, yes, this is the sentence or this is the moment that I really love. I think like Robin and I think a lot about her hair um, and the fact Mm -hmm. that she's like always in braids. Like something we had discussed like years ago on the on Wizard Team and kind of fell into this headcanon that kind of blew our minds at the time. But so like wearing braids like is not a thing that you can do all the time. Because it like, you know, it has like tension on your hair, it pulls and all that kind of stuff. So you wear them sometimes, but you also have to take breaks. But in the series, Angelina's always in braids. Um, And so as a kid reading that, I was like, I mean, okay, whatever. Like JK Rowling is this white woman. She doesn't know. She sees (laughs) black women in braids and like, whatever. But she has magic. So she can kind of do whatever. You know what I mean? Like she doesn't have to have the same kind of constraints that we as muggle like (laughs) women have um, when like taking care of our hair. And so like one of the headcanons that we came up with just through like seeing that part of her was that she like has her own like magical hair care routine that she shares it with the other like girls in her house. And then like eventually will go on to like open up this like business of like magical hair products. Um, Oh my God. I love that so much it's so great and it's one of those things where like again like when I was a kid it wasn't like it just kind of stuck it just stood out to me as odd and then I just kind of ignored it because it's Harry Potter and we're you know defeating Voldemort and all that kind of stuff but like reading it closely and then like having someone to talk it out with just ended up creating this whole thing where like Angelina is one of my favorites now because like I do my hair all the time and it takes forever and I just love thinking about being able to flick your wand and it being done and like two hours as opposed to eight. So, (laughs) yeah. Or 30 seconds, right? Like, who knows? Depending on what you're doing, like, it really could be, like, just a real quick situation. And I, you know, wish that I had those kind of powers, but... (laughs) And her hair is also... Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the only moment where we hear something outright racist Mm -hmm. about Angelina is when Pansy says that it looks like she has snakes coming out of her head. Mm -hmm. If she has this like magical routine, she could be straightening her hair. She could write like she could be trying to pass in different ways with her hair. But instead, she has these beautiful braids. So even the choice of braids is Angelina not apologizing for who she is. Right. And like, and in that moment, she like very much, she kind of just swings her braids around and ignores it. And it's like, we're just gonna, you know, move on. But I like, that's one of those things where like, it, like, I've never had that interaction. But I think I believe Robin has said that someone has said something similar to her before. And like, it's a common kind of thing that has happened um, to Black women at different points in time. And like, to me, I always think about the fact that she's at this point, like 17 or maybe 18, I think. And so she's had this time to kind of like grow into and like perhaps her parents have made sure that she like loves her hair and who she is. And, you know, I know like my parents didn't let me straighten my hair when I was a kid. Um, And so sometimes I wonder if like, again, this is all conjecture because I highly doubt JK Rowling thought of any of this, but wondering if like her parents were really intentional in trying to make sure that she loved who she was and her hair and like, and how it grows out of her head without Oftentimes those things are said and they can be said when someone is really young or or even if they were about the same age that Angelina is, but maybe don't have that same kind of like training to ignore it and to know that their hair is beautiful. And so that kind of stuff could be damaging depending on who you say it to. Yeah, I feel like it's one of the only like overtly racist like in-world moments. Yeah. Because I, I think there's like plenty of moments where the book says something and you're like, eh, but that's like one where like an actual character is saying a thing where, like, racism and, like, race isn't really addressed in the books, but that's, like, the one time. It's really interesting. Yeah, I mean, race is only addressed in metaphor in the books for the most yeah. part, right? It's, like, how we treat house elves, how we treat Lupin um, as a werewolf, right? It's all done through metaphor. But it is the one explicit moment mm-hmm. in which the text is trying to say Pansy Parkinson is different from 
other people because she will say an explicitly racist human-based thing. Mm-hmm. The only other person whose hair routine we ever hear about is Hermione. Yeah. And we do hear there's just that moment where she's like, oh, using the sleek potion, you know, was too much work. I'm not going to do it every day. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is also maybe a moment of talking about white privilege of Hermione can say, I don't want to spend time on my hair. But Angelina, her hair is going to have to be an issue one way or the other. I'm at this point, I operate on Hermione is black. So in my head, I'm like, I get that. So I operate that Hermione is Jewish, but yes. Yeah. And I can honestly, like I see both. Um, yeah. But I think for me on that side, I think about like, there are so many times when I do the bare minimum with my hair and I can just think about like, I mean, and again, we don't see, we just see Angelina with her braids the whole time and like, I would just love to see like her off day. Like when she's just like, I don't feel like doing any of this. Like I'm going to just wrap it up or I'm going to just pull it back into a puff or just like, y'all are going to get these twists. Um, right. Like I, I wonder about that process too. Cause I know like I, I for sure have like moments where I'm like, I cannot do my hair. Like I just refuse. And I'm just like, like I had a moment like a couple weeks ago where I was just like, I've been doing this every day. And I just feel like at a certain point, it should be able to stop and just be fine. Oh, yeah. So, like, I could just see her having those days, especially when she's, like, frustrated or, like, Harry got another detention. And she's just like, the last thing I want to do right now is my hair. (laughs) Now I have to spend two hours instead of nine because I'm magical Mm -hmm. braiding my hair. Can we talk for a moment on the slight tangent that we just went on about Hermione's blackness? Yes. (laughs) I love Black Hermione. But here's my question. Uh-huh. I can't I can't get over that J.K. Rowling tries to pretend like it was always her intention oh, to leave yeah. Hermione's race unclear. Okay. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I don't think that she intended it to be that way. Like, I honestly, I feel like she was just kind of like, oh, sure, whatever. Like, that's cool. And I think that she read that BuzzFeed article and was like, and like the tweet that she tweeted was like a direct like pull from that. Like, I don't think it was attributed, but it was like pulled from that article. Um, I think it was written by Alana Bennett and like, so I don't think that she did it intentionally at all, but I think that there, and I honestly, like when I was first reading it, um, I didn't read her as black and, but part of that was more of the like, like defaulting to whiteness. So unless somebody said, unless she said explicitly that somebody was of color, I just assumed that they were white, um, at the time. And Hermione's whiteness is named at least once, right? Her like face goes white i think it's kind of vague like in a way that like you could read it as more of an expression than like a literal thing okay yeah 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 but i think i think for me it's mostly around like what black potterheads in the fandom have done with it less so than jk rowling because i don't think that she intended for that to happen and i think that if she had it when emma watson was or like even if, if emma watson had like come up as being cast she would have said something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think that that's the case, but I also love it. Like I was like, when I found out about the Cursed Child casting and I am not like, I mean, and this is obviously before I saw Cursed Child and I'm not a fan of it, but I still will go hard for that casting because I like saw it and I almost like wept in like an Uber or something. Like I was like ridiculously emotional about it. And I think that like, for me, like, honestly, like, I don't have an issue with other people not reading her as Black. Because, again, I don't think it was an intentional thing on, like, J.K. Rowling's part. But I also just, like, at this point now, I think I read her through that lens a little bit more. Especially because I connected with her so much, like, as a kid reading her, if that makes sense. Right. So, for one, just the, like, we were talking about the kind of parallels between, like, pure blood supremacy and like racism and all these things and so to me like the things that she goes through as like a muggle-born can be is very similar to things that she like if as a black woman like I like I would go through and I also think even just her hair like it really could be any like people's kind of like range or um litmus for like what is unruly or wild or whatever is it's a scale but to me, like thinking about like the fact that Hermione feels like she has to straighten her hair for like this special event is like a thing that I've seen like plenty of 
people like you know kind of think and and do just like the way that Harry and Ron kind of rely on her to do everything um and even just like her botched attempt to to help the house elves just like that not not necessarily what she did because it could have been done way better but I think like the intent behind it again I don't think that like JK Rowling really did it but I think there are ways you can read into it and I know that a lot of I know of people who when they first read it thought that she was black as well so oh that's interesting can you say more about black Hermione's relationship with I like to call it SPEW and not SPEW so I think like of you know like in Sorcerer's Stone when Harry enters the world it's just like this fantastic world it's wonderful it's like everything is magical and bright and like you know there's frogs made of chocolate and they're jumping around and there's all this wild stuff happening um and I kind of think of Hermione coming into this world in the same way and like wonderful and amazing and then suddenly to be called a mudblood right like all of these things kind of then realizing like oh okay like this world also has oppressive structures of which I at this point am like at sort of the bottom and then learning about house elves and seeing how Winky was treated and hearing about Dobby I think that she at this point especially given that it feels like she very much has like thrown herself into the wizarding world and has really no intention of ever looking back or going back into the muggle world. I think that like her really wanting to strive to make some kind of change makes sense, but she doesn't do it in a way where she's like listening to the house elves. And so, and then she's, but it's, it's, it's always hard for me talking about the house elf storyline because I also don't think jk rowling took it as seriously as she should have it's like not well written because it's like you can see the places where hermione should have been a better ally like listening to what it was the house elves wanted um not trying not like being like oh you poor things you're brainwashed like all of that stuff is terrible but then at the same time the text isn't taking her seriously at all not like it's not like it's critiquing her approach it's just being like oh look at hermione over there with her like you know holier than thou attitude and like you know she's just over here making waves for no reason as opposed to being like oh she's tripping but she has a point if that makes sense yeah and so sometimes it's hard for me to like fully critique her because at the same time the the book doesn't take it seriously and then it just kind of drops off at the end so I mean I think the thing is that she does learn how to be a better organizer right Mm -hmm. like SPW goes so poorly and then when she it's time to start Dumbledore's army she's learned from her mistakes but yeah I think SPW is a failure in so many important ways yeah and I mean I think that she I think it's easier for her to do like the like Dumbledore's army because it's people who she knows and she's like right like she's in it you know what I mean like it's not like she has to be an ally because it's very much like a direct it like directly affects her yeah and I think like as it moves on she mostly just like she goes from like being like we're gonna have campaigns and like you're gonna buy this badge and like all this kind of stuff she's very much like oh don't talk mean about creature and you know like so it's just it just kind of like devolves I think and one of the things that has only occurred to me because of this conversation that I love about imagining Hermione as black is the relationship between her and Angelina. The f- mm-hmm. You know, that that I now get to imagine that Angelina is a woman within Gryffindor that Hermione would have to explicitly look up to mm-hmm. and that they are two women maybe talking about their different hair routines, like that the two of them could be having these conversations is like a beautiful thing to imagine rather than Angelina standing alone in that space. Right. And Angelina very much feels like someone, like we see how she takes leadership. And so she feels like someone who would be willing to like mentor younger, like students of color, especially in Gryffindor and like maybe beyond that, but specifically in Gryffindor, um, it feels like, especially as she's getting older, um, that she would be someone who would like go and, you know, help, like folks who are struggling. And so I think that a part of that would be, you know, talking to Hermione about her hair or, um, you know, checking in on folks after maybe Pansy said something wild to them, like just that kind of stuff. Yeah. I love the idea of Angelina's hair being the focal point of like the one moment of explicit racism in the book and also being the sort of like metaphor invitation to how being black in the magical world can be this different 
thing than it is in the muggle world. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's interesting because I think the, like, the wizarding world kind of touts itself to be so different from the muggle world. Um, and then, like, I think even J.K. Rowling, like, doesn't realize that, like, racism would probably still exist in the wizarding world. I don't know. I think it's an interesting thing to think about. Um, is like the ways that being magical and also being of color would kind of be different than just being like a muggle of color. And I think that that's just such a beautiful metaphor for like progressive spaces, right? Even, I mean, on this podcast, we try to put ourselves in as many points of view as possible. But I think that, right, the reason that we're doing this moment in our podcast is because we're like, oh, even in this like well-intended space, we are going to be reifying the structural problems of the entire system. And so we're not, you know, we're not going to be able to break out of these systems and we're not better than it. We're going to mess up just as much as anybody else. So even within the magical world, of course, there's still going to be racism. I guarantee you the witches and wizards were profiting off of the slave trade in England. I mean, there's no way they weren't. The whole country's wealth is built on it, right? Like we're all complicit, even witches and wizards. I mean, they've colonized the entire world almost so there's like no way that racism isn't involved in like what they're doing and i mean especially folks like the malfoys like there's no way the malfoys weren't involved in any of that like oh yeah (laughs) for sure so bayana i wrote a quiz for you to take we always like to end these episodes with a quiz okay and so i wrote a short quiz for you Angelina is obviously this amazing leader and athlete who is confronting stereotypes through her body and the way that she presents herself. And so I'm going to ask you a series of questions about a similar woman, Serena Williams. Okay. So I have a quiz for you about the wonderful Serena, an icon. Okay. I'm like, I love Serena, but I am just not like I, the last time I watched a tennis match, I don't even know. But it's fine. I can guess. So Serena has 23 single Grand Slam titles and four gold medals. She also has a room in her house for all but one of the following. A, a trophy room. B, a purse room. C, a karaoke room. Or D, a meditation room. So she has three out of four of those rooms. Which one does she not have? Ooh. So... I feel like, yeah, I'm gonna say trophy room because maybe she's just like super humble or something. But like, also, I just feel like put up your trophies. I don't know. Um, no, she has a trophy room. She does not have a meditation room. Okay. I like that you were like, yeah, of course she has a karaoke room. I mean, I just see she seems like that kind of person. And also, like, she's married to um, what's his name? And like, I feel like he would meditate. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they just no, seem like I'm with a you. couple who would meditate together. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I agree. That's why I made up meditation room to <laughs> trick you. OK, so next question. Serena is the highest paid female athlete alive, but she's still trying to grow in her career, including by trying some acting performances. She once was on an episode of The Simpsons. What was the title of The Simpsons episode that she was in? A, Tennis the Menace. B, Sister Rivals. C, Grand Slam Breakfast. Or D, Don't Go Dopin. Oh, yikes. Um, I know nothing about The Simpsons. So I'm just going to guess C because that's what you do and you don't know. <laughs> That is what you do when you don't know. But it's actually A, Tennis the Menace is the name of the episode that she and her sister Venus were in. Okay. So question three. Serena eats a mostly vegan diet to stay healthy and fit for her rigorous training schedule. However, she cheats sometimes. Which of these does she call herself? A flexivegan? A chigan? A uh, vegan light or vegan ish? Hmm. Maybe vegan ish. She calls herself a chigan, which I think is hilarious. It's very She's funny. a cheating vegan. Isn't that so funny? <laughs> it's very like, yeah. I, I mean, think it's so humble that she that she refers to herself as that. I just feel like it's so honest. Yeah, absolutely. She's like, I mean, I I do it most of the time. <laughs> 
Well, Bayana, thank you so much for joining us to bless Angelina. We're so grateful. And send Robin and her dog Luna Lovegood, my love. Definitely will. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much, Bayana. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is brought to you by Pros. Casper, I just got a wonderful, wonderful haircut. It looks so good. Thank you. I feel great with it. But I cut off over a foot of hair, and that means my long hair was sort of pulling my curls in one way. And now that I have short hair, I need a totally different hair care routine. Mm. Luckily, Pros is made for people not hair and skin types, personalization is rooted in everything they do from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And so I use the review and refine feature and I was like, yes, I still want vegan hair care products. Yes, I still want to smell like a lavender field, (laughs) but my hair is no longer long. It is short to medium length. Please send me a different formula of shampoo and conditioner. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin that they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash Harry Potter. So you get your free consultation and then 50% off at pros.com slash Harry Potter. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash Harry Potter. Hi, Robin. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to Women of Harry Potter Land. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's one of my favorite places. (laughs) So, Robin, we are so excited to have you on the show. We had the other half of your podcast, Mayana, on a couple of weeks ago, and we have talked to you many times before, but can you just tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I am um, co-founder of Black Girls Create, which is a website, community, and hub for Black creators and uh, critical fandom. So we try to encourage Black women in particular, but people of color in general, to write about their fandom, things that they enjoy critically, and also to create new works, whether it be through our fan fiction projects or through our writing sprints. We just want to encourage people to start creating and putting new things out in the world. I'm also the community manager, so we have a pretty vibrant community of people, and we talk about all manner of things from Harry Potter, obviously, to Star Wars, to Star Trek, to politics and and just general creativity. Um, and so that is what I do, and that's what Black Girls Create is all about. It's really an amazing project. Yeah, I think we're going on like our fifth or sixth year, and it's amazing just to see like the steady growth of it and seeing people openly talk about ideas that they have or stories they want to write and being able to say like, yes, write the thing, do the thing, create the thing. And I'm especially excited today because we invited you on to offer a very special blessing. Who is it that you would like to bless and why? When you guys talked about starting this, I knew exactly who I wanted to bless. And that person is Luna Lovegood. She's to me, one of the most fascinating characters in the series. You know, she's a part of the Silver Trio, as people like to call it. And even in that role, like, her presence is just so profound. And so I would like to bless Luna for radical acceptance, for showing the power and importance of friendship 
and what that can do when faced against like insurmountable odds, what depending on people and loving people with your entire being, like how transformative that can be. I think that the first even two times that I read the series, I liked Luna, but to some extent I found her annoying. But then on reading it three and four times, I'm like, oh, my God, she's a genius, you know, and she is an emotional genius. I love that term of radical acceptance. I'm wondering if you can say more about that. Do you mean her like self-acceptance, her acceptance of the others around her? Where do you see that? I think for Luna, I mean it in all forms. You know, she has that moment when she's looking for her shoes at the end of Order of the Phoenix, and she knows that the other kids are hiding them from her. She knows what they call her, but she doesn't let that change how she interacts with life, how she interacts with Hogwarts, how she interacts with other people. You know, she sees Harry and like, fifth year Harry is struggling, right? He's going through PTSD. He's feeling a lot of things. He's feeling isolated, a lot of that on purpose. And Ron and Hermione are kind of walking on eggshells around him, very careful of like, will he blow up or how do we approach him to like, keep him calm? And Luna is just very much like, well, this is how he is. I'm going to accept all of that about him. I'm going to let him know that it's completely understandable. You're just the same as I am, you know? It's completely normal to feel all of these feelings and I'm going to deal with him how he is and not how I want him to be or how I think he should be. She gets people who wouldn't choose to associate with her, have bad reactions to just who she is, you know, without knowing her. Before they even know her, they're just like, that's loony. Hermione's like, you're talking nonsense, right? But she gets them in her own quiet, loving way to like step out of that and then just appreciate her. Like my favorite Luna moment in the series, Luna's not even in, which is when they go to um, visit Xenophilius and they find out that she's been taken by the Death Eaters and Harry sees her room and sees the mural and the friends, friends, friends. Ron's on that mural, you know? Mean Ron, who's kind of funny, but he is mean. He's still on that mural. And if you think about their interactions that we that we see on the page, Hermione shouldn't really be on that mural. Ron really shouldn't be on that mural. But she accepts them and all of their flaws and all of their differences because that's what makes a person who they are. And like, I don't have to like every part of you to love the entirety of you. Right thinking of that mural in terms of radical acceptance, right? She's also accepting the limitations of friendship in exactly what you said, right? Loving you doesn't mean liking every part of you. Yeah. What I love about your reading of this is any form of real courage involves sacrifice. And her radical acceptance has all of these sacrifices associated with it. It hurts her that people call her loony love good. But she's not going to pretend that they don't. And it hurts her that Ron is funny but mean. But that doesn't mean she's going to ignore it in him. And so it, like, comes at a personal cost. You know, I think that sometimes we can see acceptance as, like, the path of least resistance. But it's not. Really radically accepting the world as it is and trying to fight within it is actually incredibly brave. Luna does recognize, like, the circumstances of what's been going on at Hogwarts is not normal. What's been stated in The Daily Prophet reads false to her. And yeah, she might think that Sirius is also Stubby Borgman, an international singing sensation or whatever. But when it's explained that they're going to go to the ministry and they're going to save Sirius, who to Luna Lovegood is a notorious mass murderer. Like, she doesn't know anything about Sirius Black at that point. And she she puts her faith in in the people that she's grown to know, and she goes along. Like, she puts her own personal safety at risk to go along and help. She still puts herself on the line for something that she, up until now, has no stake in. Because she recognizes that the current state of the world is not okay. And so she's going to continue on, accepting the reality that she's in. Not accepting that nothing can change, but accepting that this is where we are in this time and then figuring out how to move through it. Right. She doesn't waste any time on denial 
it's okay, we're stuck in, you know, the basement of Malfoy Manor. Mr. Ollivander is sick. I will take care of him. It's her acceptance of the world and seeing it so plainly that actually motivates her to work hard for change. And we kind of see in Luna what it is to not rail against the system loudly, but to take steps every time she's presented with an opportunity to do, to do the right thing and to go against the system in just a, a softer way. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can make sense for me this idea that Luna radically accepts the world and yet also has these, I think what we would to some extent call conspiracy theories or maybe like a generous way to put it is that she accepts the possibilities of the world. But like those two things on the surface, at least, seem disparate. And I'm wondering if you can help me make sense of the two of them together. Yeah. So I think that the way in which we think of Luna is also the way in which she sees a lot of the world. Right. So we see Hermione grappling with Luna talking about crumpled horn snorkaks and Raxperts and Nargles. And Hermione's like, this poor girl is so clueless and doesn't know anything. And Luna, on the other hand, looks at Hermione struggling to find logic in everything in a world full of magic and thinks this poor girl is so clueless. How can she not see the Nargles right in front of her? I do think it is a conspiracy theory kind of brain, but to a conspiracy theorist, it's not a conspiracy. It just is. And everyone else is jumping through hoops to ignore this like clear fact about the universe. And I think for Luna, it's the same way. Everyone is going through hoops to pretend that Nargles don't exist, to pretend that the crumpled horn Snorkak isn't a rumpet horn. And for her, she is kind enough to just let them have their delusion. It, it makes Hermione feel better to think that Luna is a conspiracy theorist and to think that Luna is making up all of these things, if that helps Hermione, then she'll let that happen. Yeah, it's just I think that a couple of years ago, I would have been more excited to just agree with you. But I think conspiracy theorists are now being covered in the media as if things that have been scientifically proven to be true are no longer be taken seriously and science is under attack. Our denial about science, obviously, has created a lot of problems um, for us as a society. Yes. I love that she's someone who questions reality. She even questions her own beliefs, right? Like, at first, she seems to really have a crush on Ron. And then she later is like, oh, never mind. He's not that nice. So she's someone who's, like, always learning and always willing to grow. Yeah. I guess I, you know, not surprisingly, wish that we got to, like, spend time with Luna when she was 40. And, like, saw how she was walking that really difficult line. And I think it's also a line that a lot of people with, like, very devout faith lives try to walk of, like, I know for a fact that this faith practice makes me a better person, but people outside think I look crazy when I do it, right? Like, thinking about whether Luna thinks of this as a science or a faith, like, I think that these are really complicated lines. Yeah, I mean— I think this is also where Luna's emotional intelligence comes in, though, and that's what separates her conspiracy theorist tendencies and leanings from, like, what's happening in this world, which is that she would never let her beliefs in the world harm someone else. The moment that you show her, like, a fact that that belief or that idea is harmful, I think she would definitely reevaluate. I also think they're living in a world of magic, so... Objective fact and scientific fact isn't really the same burden as it is in the muggle world. Totally. I think that if you're talking about global warming with Luna Lovegood, she's going to be like, well, yeah, I see it. Like, I see it happening around me. And I think that that is the difference when you start to think about being open or um, in danger of falling into those conspiracy traps in our world. A lot of the things in which people are discounting scientific fact and truth is they also then have to willfully ignore the actual harm being done to people and to the planet and to ecosystems. And once confronted by that actual harm, they're able to intellectualize or argue themselves into a position in which it's not important. And I don't think that Luna has ever shown that she would do that. Do you have a theory as to what profession Luna goes into? 
We don't see her in the epilogue. My own kind of headcanon is that she goes into journalism. Mm. So we see her, like, failed attempt at being a Quidditch commentator. Uh, do we call that a failed attempt? Okay. I think it's wonderful. I personally think that she should have got the job. I thought it was wonderful. I love the human interest that she brought to it. I completely agree. She's one of the great sports commentators of our time. (laughs) Yes. And I'm a big fan of CBS Sunday Morning. Um, But the human interest story and good news and like celebrating good news, like things that are just like heartwarming and that, you know, I love that CBS just takes that one day that you know, two-hour chunk of time to give you, like, heartwarming stories and learn more about the human condition. And I think that Luna would be wonderful at that kind of journalism. Yeah. Deep profiles and interviews and really getting into, you know, the human side of wizarding kind. Well, so Casper, my co-host on Harry Potter and the Sacred Text, thinks that she is the high priestess of the wizarding world. (laughs) So I would love to see her become some sort of, like, spiritual leader or like hospice chaplain. Mm -hmm. I just like think she's so good at being like a loving presence to other people. I mean, to be honest, I do rail against a lot of the lack of mental health. Um, Yeah. And so having her work at St. Mungo's and like opening a department for like mental wellness would be very lovely to see. (laughs) It's a gaping hole in the world. Oh, God, yes. I just got, like, chills. I got verklempt thinking about that, of, like, her visiting people room to room and just, like, being this, like, ministry of presence to them. Yes. A great wizarding counselor, a shoulder for them to, like, you know, talk things through. Oh, Robin, it's such a beautiful blessing, and I'm just falling more and more in love with Luna. Which I love. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Robin, before I let you go, we always end in a trivia quiz, and this quiz is inspired by your favorite Luna moment, actually, the great mural up in her childhood bedroom. And so since Luna is obviously the great mural artist of the Wizarding World, I thought I would ask you some questions about Banksy, who is probably the world's most famous muralist and graffiti artist. Okay. Are you ready for this really relevant to this conversation quiz? Um, yeah. I mean, I like Banksy. I know who they are. I don't know if I know the facts, but I will do my best. Well, he doesn't want you to know the facts. True. Very true. That's <laughs> um okay. So Banksy is this, you know, anonymous, synonymous graffiti artist and muralist, but he's all of the following except one of these. A film director. B, hotel owner, C, a gallery artist, or D, a textile designer? Oh, man. I know for a fact that he's directed a film because I've seen it. Um, Mm -hmm. Okay, textile designer? 
correct. He is not a textile designer. He has directed the film Exit Through the Gift Shop, as you have seen. He owns a hotel in Palestine, like I think in Gaza. I know about that. That's I think wild. they might have done an they might have done a story on CBS this morning. <laughs> <laughs> He has had many shows in Silver Lake uh, galleries in Los Angeles. And yeah, but he's not a textile designer. I did not know about his hotel. So I was really excited to learn about his hotel. It's actually very cool. Yeah, it sounds really cool. Okay, so Girl with a Heart Balloon is one of his most famous pieces. And so here are four things about that piece, which of them is not true. It was voted the most beloved piece of art in Britain. B, the queen has a copy of it hanging in Buckingham Palace. C, it was shredded at auction. Or D, Banksy used prints to try to get people to vote anti-Tory. I'm going to say that the queen does not have a copy of it, a print of it. You are correct. Robin, nobody has ever gotten (laughs) two out of three questions correct on one of these quizzes, let alone you are walking into the possibility of three out of three. Uh Uh-oh. Now the pressure is on. (laughs) Well, and I really, really wrote this question just for you. Okay. So um, Banksy is purported to be many people, but the most, like, common theory is that he is this one person His real name, appropriately, is A. Luna, B. Remus, C. Robin, or D. Xenophilius. Oh, my goodness. Like, it would be between Remus and Robin, but I'm going to say Robin. It is. Apparently, he's this guy named Robin something. (laughs) Well, congratulations. I cannot believe that you got three out of three right. Here's my question for you. Are you Banksy? No, I'm just a a nerdy girl who lives on CBS uh, (laughs) Sunday morning and human interest stories. That was amazing. This week's episode of Harry Potter and the Sacred Text is a Not Sorry production. We are a feminist production company. Our executive producer is Ariana Nettleman, and we are edited and produced by AJ Uramas. Our engineer is Erica Wong, and our music is by Ivan Paisau and Nick Bowl. We are distributed by Acast. Special, special thanks this week to Bayana Davis and Robin Jordan. Laura Glass, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Casper Turkyle, Stephanie Paulsell, Hannah Rehack, and everyone in our community. Thanks so much, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.